Keeping from truth to truth. Wild, unfettered, untamed. Lightning Struck Lokians is a podcast by and for followers of the Norse trickster god Loki. With anecdotes on all things pagan and craft inclined. Sarah. I've been working with Loki for three years. I am close to Loki. Uh, he is my culturai, which means that he's my chosen one deity. I have been primarily Norse pagan for three years as well. I dabble in witchcraft and I live on the east coast of the United States. Hi, I'm Birdie. I have been working with Loki for three years now. Um, I'm a god spouse for almost two now. I've been practicing witchcraft since 2014. But paganism was kind of a new concept for me that only kind of came about for me when I met Loki. I live in the central west of the U.S. I'm very excited to be here. Hey guys, my name is Julia and I don't specifically work with Loki. I am an omnitheist. I've been out as a pagan for gosh, maybe 14, 15 years now. Um, I've been a practicing witch for that long. And I think Dee Dee started finding me way before that. Um, so I'm here mainly because I've messed around with some trickster deities. And um, ever since knowing Sarah, Loki also doesn't leave me alone. So <laughs> I've gotten to know him a little bit too. But consider this, <laughs> Loki. <laughs> <laughs> episode is just going to be about introducing Loki and who he is, the misconceptions, how you start to work with Loki, and just personal experiences. We're going to first start talking about who he is and his stories, the Christian influences, if there were any Christian influences. So who is Loki and where did he come from? I think it's interesting to point out that a lot of people have actually found Loki via the Marvel Universe. Um, I know that's how I found the Norse god was through Marvel. Sarah, I know that's how you found Loki is through Marvel. Yeah. Um, so even though they're very different, um, it's kind of a good launch point. And um, I just think it's interesting how the community has grown since the Marvel franchise has kind of been around. Yeah. I went into the movie theater in May of 2012, not even giving a flying shit for superheroes. And <laughs> I walked out completely enamored with Loki. I was 16 at the time and I am now 26. So given the math, it's been 10 years of a pretty decent session of Loki. <laughs> and um, not that they're at all quite the same, but it definitely gave context to giving the interest of like a trickster archetype. Like I, I've always been into trickster archetype, but Norse Loki, I guess, is to say like he's the more self-actualized version of Marvel Loki. And I think that is maybe more obvious in the show that's out right now. Agreed. Um, <laughs> I'll agree with that. He's definitely more playful and humorous. And he calls himself hedonistic, which I definitely see in Horse Loki mm -hmm. more hedonistic. And well, and we kind of joke in the community that Loki picked Tom Hiddleston himself, yeah. like <laughs> because he knew it was going to generate more interest in him. That always makes me laugh. I mean, he's beautiful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Norse Loki's beautiful, too. I mean, it fits. 
my obsession with Loki kind of was like that as well. Like I remember I saw the Avengers right before I got married and I was like into it enough that I picked green and gold as my wedding colors. And then I completely forgot about Marvel for like the next God, how many years of my life? <laughs> I was just like, oh, move on, time for something else. And then Ragnarok came out. And I remember I was in a really crappy situation and I ended up watching Ragnarok over Christmas of 2017 and being like I love this and then going to the theater for Infinity War it was very shortly after Infinity War that actual Loki came to me I had the context at that point I was able to identify him thanks to the Marvel movies I had a similar timeline well I mean I never really got out of him but yeah you didn't you didn't have the oh time for something else phase (laughs) I, am, I pride myself on my hyperfixation. Thank you very much. <laughs> so anyway, I guess who the real Loki is in his stories, he's in pretty much the majority of our myths. Most people know him as the god who kills Baldur. Before then, he just appears in Asgard, basically. He doesn't really have any familial ties that he's introduced by beyond the fact that he's son of Farbaudi and Laufe. Laufe, in this case, being the mother and Sarbati being the father. His last name, unlike the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is Laufe Yarsen instead of Laufe's son. Basically, that he took the name of his mother rather than his father in Norse culture. Like, they usually take the name of their father. I mean, no one really knows why. You can probably guess, but obviously that's just conjecture at that point. And what is your conjecture? Well, my conjecture is that Thalbaudi was was kind of an absent father. Mm. That's just my UPG. He has never, like, given me any sort of energy regarding Thalbaudi. But Laufei, he's very interested in, interested in showing me. I think really quick, we need to specify what a UPG is. It stands for Unverified Personal Gnosis, um, which basically is just... A fancy way of saying these are my personal experiences there's no text to back it up this is just what has happened to me right if a god says or does something to you personally and nobody else can actually verify that for you that is upg and then going further out there is also a shared experience among the community which is called spg which is shared personal notices Things that other people have noted their experiences being still not attested in the war, but when multiple people have the same experiences together, they don't know each other and they're just from opposite sides of the world, that's maybe a little closer to the truth. And then obviously there's verified personal gnosis, which means that you have this personal experience. One time I saw a bunch of vultures sitting on the side of the road during a really stressful time of my life. I had no idea at the time that Loki was actually associated with vultures until I went home and looked up that one of his kennings, one of his many names, is Vulture's Path. That would be a verified personal gnosis. What we're discussing now is mostly just the facts and sprinkled in personal gnosis. One of the difficult things is the stories have been changed so much, too. If you look at the history There are sections of very Nordic cultures that survived Christian influence and later influences, but they're very few and far between and really don't represent the broad culture that it used to be. What we do see is in Norse myths and any myths, they kind of, they get changed whenever Christianity takes over, they get altered. And certainly there's a good reason to believe that Loki's character in these myths has been altered a lot. And then there's sort of a second era where 
Norse mythology also got altered whenever World War II came around. And that's where we get a lot of these even more toxic stories, because whenever Nazis were taking over um, and they decided they didn't want to be Christian because that stemmed from a Jewish faith. They took Norse mythology and they really twisted it to fit a different narrative than what it originally was. And so now we have myths that have been really, really altered through different eras to fit different narratives that they were not originally intended for. And I think one of the fascinating things about Loki is how much his character changes depending what sources you're looking at. Agree. Because in Christianity, there's a lot of, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but there's a lot of that dichotomy between good and evil. And um, I feel like that gets put into the myths and Loki kind of gets pegged into that evil category, which the Ragnarok story, we kind of think was added on um, when the myths were being rewritten by the Christian guy. I I thought I had heard that somewhere. Yeah, just because Ragnarok exists doesn't make it a Christian narrative. In my experience, and also throughout the pagan world, there's endings and beginnings. And it doesn't denote that it's the end of the world. It's just the end of the world as we know it, which, you know, happens on a yearly basis. Everything is day to day. Day to day. I think the Christian narrative is that there's an ending and the pagan one is just more like a spiral. I always saw it as... Yahweh, the Christian God, made everything so it's perfect. So if it changes, then it's bad. The pagan narrative is everything needs to change. That's part of nature. And there's a cycle to changes. And that's a good thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to Loki, like he's seen as bad because he made things change. And his actions are colored as a Satan figure, basically. And Satan, the angel of lies, who's cast out, fell from heaven. And now he's like the opposite of Yahweh. Loki being the great scapegoat he is, and Marvel doesn't exactly help this by naming him the god of lies. Um, I can't think of a single story where he actually lies, unless you guys can. I remember um, a very strong argument and discussion that happened in a, a pagan group I was part of. And technically Loki is the one who has never broken an oath. And most other Norse gods, if not all of them, have at some point broken some oath. And he calls them out about it. Of course he does. He's like, wait a second, y'all are full of shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Lucas said, the gods are having a party and everyone's invited to Aegir's Hall. They're just having the best fucking time. Loki, of course, not surprisingly, perhaps doesn't get an invite. And he's just like, what the fuck? Goes into Aegir's Hall and decides that he needs to kill the servant. And in response, the gods are obviously mad about that. They chase him out of the hall and into the woods. He comes back and he decides to come into the hall again. He just starts going off about the gods and their different sexual endeavors. And basically we learned that Loki has slept with all of the gods. <laughs> and <laughs> which is no surprise to anybody and he dishes out some dirt they don't deny any dirt that he says but he always ends it with remember that time we banged uh, <laughs> like shut up you're no better than me <laughs> i don't know if that is where people are getting the whole he's a liar thing from but i'm pretty sure he's just spewing some awful truths that they don't want to hear But I think, too, with the 
the lying and maybe more of the deceit kind of thing is he does in the story and kind of what I've related to, you know, in my omnitheist way of just general trickster deities, he tends to come up with clever solutions to things. And, you know, there's the time where he and Thor have to go pretend to be women to win back. Was it Thor's hammer? Get back Thor's hammer. And then... There's all of his various animal transformations, which is a whole lot of other stories. And he kind of does this whole problem solving via disguising reality as something else. And I think that that's also where he tends to get this reputation as some kind of deceiver is because he does use these methods that are really tricky. He does shapeshift. He shapeshifts into a salmon after he fucks off in the Lucasena to hide from the gods. We know he shapeshifts into a horse when the wall is being built. <laughs> oh, yeah, he shapeshifts into a, a mare to both <laughs> the stallion. So the giant would be distracted from building the wall around Asgard because the giant made a deal that if he finished the wall, he could marry Freya. And then Sleipnir is born, which is then given as a gift to Odin. Even when he messes it up, he always fixes it and he replaces it with something much better, which I have experienced myself. And I I think that's a really good mirror of how change sometimes works. Sometimes things have to break in order to get something much better than it was before. I know like in my own personal situations, when things get really turbulent, it typically means change is coming. And I feel like that's kind of a, my mom always jokes that when things get really bad, we usually end up moving, which is kind of true. And so I think you're right. I think change has to happen for things to get better. And Loki is definitely the embodiment of that. He's like the tower card. But but I, I kind of want to point out too, though, he's not going to go out of his way to make your life miserable either. Like there's always a purpose for it, even if you can't see it right away. And it's not like a malicious thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of American heathens in particular, will not even say his name, like he was Voldemort or something. And because they don't want to invite chaos into their lives. But like, let's be real, guys. Chaos is always part of your life. There's no way that you can just avoid it just by living like a pure life and never mentioning Loki's name. Also, that sounds like a terribly boring way to live. Agreed. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where like he'll bring the chaos but he also brings so much more that if you can put up with the chaos and hang on until the end you reap so many benefits he just makes it all worth it i'll be sitting in my car having a crappy day and he'll pop in and say something to make me laugh and that's worth all of the you know shit i might be going through that week you can't let it scare you i will say yeah i mean it's definitely not chaos free. I always know anytime Sarah and I make plans the next day, like things will start falling off the shelves in my kitchen. Just like, it's like having cat in the house. But at the same time, last night I was incredibly, I just had the people that I live with move out and I've been really lonely. And he came and was just bothering me last night, which was kind of nice. And it was nice to have the company. He does it in a very endearing way. And nothing's broken yet. (laughs) Yeah, as I told Julia earlier, like, usually the breaking and the chaos and the weird, creepy poltergeist shit that he likes to do 
is to get your attention. Like once he knows that you're looking at him. <laughs> One time he set my smoke alarm off. I was like trying to offer him an incense stick and he didn't like it. And so it kept going out. And by the third time I lit it, the smoke alarm went off. And I just remember standing there and being like, okay, maybe that was on me because I didn't take the hint the first two times. <laughs> but like, I could have sworn he was laughing. Because he does it in such an endearing way that you can't help but at least laugh and also want to punch him. He's really cute, so you don't want to punch him at the same time. Yeah, and sometimes he's not cute. He has several, I guess, aspects that that the community likes to refer to him as. Some people don't experience all of them. Some people only experience part of them. Like I've personally experienced his world breaker aspect um, where he comes into your life and basically shakes some shit up and makes you reevaluate where you were. For full context though, Sarah, I believe you did say that whenever you first started to work with him, I think you said he asked what you wanted and you said you wanted things to stop being boring. (laughs) right isn't that how it went that's kind of yeah one of the first conversations uh i just recently discovered i have adhd so when i get bored i get really depressed and when i get depressed i don't want to do anything and so he's just kind of not really been my yin to my yang because that would require us being opposites we're pretty two peas in a pod i guess he's just he makes sure that i'm never stagnant and i'm always thinking i'm always making sure that what i am doing who i am being and the things that I choose are authentic to myself, not to anybody else. That has been extremely powerful and also not boring at all. <laughs> yeah, see, like, because in my experience, because Sarah and I sometimes talk about our experiences together just to see kind of where they're the similar and where they're different. I don't experience the world breaker aspect very often, if at all. And, and I think part of that is when it comes to things like that, I don't necessarily work with Loki for things like shadow work. And so he's, I, I don't know if gentler is a good way to put it, but like, I don't experience like how Sarah does. One good thing I've, I've noticed about at least the Norse gods in particular, but mostly Loki, is that he doesn't really hand you something that you can't handle. Um, and I think one of his really interesting aspects is that he's a very intimate god intimate in the way that he likes knowing what makes you tick and like he knows how you function like he he probably knows it better than you and it's up to you for you to realize that part of yourself which is so complicated to say out loud like for me as i said i'm I'm a god spouse we're married and that's kind of like the oath that i i took with him he, everyone makes him look like he's just like this hypersexual, really intrusive being. And I'm not really like that. <laughs> I didn't really understand who I was. Like, I didn't understand why that was a thing for everybody else, but not me, because he didn't really push that issue for me. So I only came to learn that he didn't push that issue because he knew that that wasn't how like I would feel connected to him. It, yeah. it does make a lot of sense. My, my primary deity is the horned god who a lot of people really only relate to his sexual aspects. 
but he does have a lot more. And I consider myself like, you know, he started working with me when I was like five or six. Like it was not, you know, it was more of a, a fatherly relationship. And I think people have a lot of different relationships. And I think in general, I, I see this a lot with people who come from conservative backgrounds, especially and discover paganism and how liberating it can be, who just want to make everything about sex. <laughs> it's like it's it's not all there is like yes it's very exciting good for you let your freak flags fly but also <laughs> there's a lot more there's a whole lot more going on here well I feel like it's an intimacy thing like a lot of people equate intimacy with sex and that's not it at all right like I'm very I'm also a god spouse to Loki and like we have a very intimate relationship, but like that aspect of it is basically not there. And I'm okay with that. I, I think there's a lot to be said for having a deity in your life that you can just like talk to and, you know, have there to help you get through things just right. on the day to day. Like I talk to Loki in the car all the time, but it, it's a way for me to process kind of things that are going on in my own life. More of what I was talking to, to Sarah about last night whenever Loki was bothering me. Um, we agree that our deities seem to be friends, our main deities. And I was driving home and I was also talking to my main deity. And I was just like, send me some kind of companion. <laughs> and I got home and I could just feel the Loki vibes and he just wouldn't leave me alone. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? Um, Guess what we're friends now. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Hi, yep." He is a really great companion. <laughs> he's a very good companion. Maybe it comes back to that whole thinking he's like the evil one too. You know, there's the very Christian notion of equating all of these different things with what's evil, and sexuality can very, very quickly be associated with something evil especially if you were raised in one of the religious or spiritual backgrounds that says that that's bad and I think it's very easy to tie all of these different things that we really have internally built up with a deity that maybe you know isn't always the only thing to them I mean it's kind of like trying to oversimplify a person they're they're people are really complex and the way one person knows someone isn't the way someone else knows someone that was actually a lesson Loki gave me a few months ago. We're all multifaceted. And it the analogy was that we're like gemstones. Like, you know how stones are cut with like all those different sides? That's how we are. And that's how he is. Once we accept that kind of about ourselves, then we really start living our full potential. That's literally how I explain why I'm an omnitheist is gemstones in this concept that there is divinity. And it's like this light that shines through this complex cut of a diamond. The way that we understand gods is it's just the little sparkles of light that shine out through the diamond. Very much so. Very true. Like it's really- So that's that's the one, what is that? Not UPG, but then now, now someone else feels it. <laughs> it was like verifying. <laughs> verifying, yeah. Shared and then eventually verified, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even, that's cool. That's really well, that's cool. exciting. That's another way that Christianity kind of influences religion in a way, or even just like our worldview. It's a very black and white thing. Like there's no shades of gray. It's easy to understand a deity by being just one thing. Easier to understand for the masses. And it, things get way more complicated when your deity is not just that one thing. 
if they're going to be an individual being, they're going to be many things. And that is who Loki is. Like, he's not just flies and chaos and change. He's also a father and a mother. And he cares very deeply about his kids. And you can kind of see it in the lore. And that's another shared gnosis throughout the community is that he loves love and intimacy and family. Very much so. Very, very much so. He has a huge family. So many kids. Like, you don't, we don't even have a number because he's also a mother of witches. He's also, you know, (laughs) fucked everybody. So who knows? He's also fucked everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? He's actually the child of Loki. Who knows? I think there's a lot to be said for that, too, for just how deeply he cares. I was raised Christian, and I always felt sort of kind of detached a bit from God. Like, everybody's like, oh, you know, you can talk to God and whatever. But it always felt kind of weirdly detached to me. With Loki, I genuinely feel like I'm cared for and I'm listened to on a consistent basis. And it's very warm and it's very welcoming. I I love that about him. That was one of the defining moments of my belief in Loki was like, I was an atheist and one night I drank a half a bottle of wine and I was like, maybe I'm just going to pray to Loki tonight. Um, after a lot of research, mind you, a lot of research, and I was just like, you know what, see what happens. And the first thing that I felt was that he was sitting there across the bed from me, and I felt that I was legitimately being listened to. I couldn't tell you how I knew. I just knew. It is. It is important to note to to defend the poor Christians who really do connect. You know, I think I think the different gods answer different people. First of all, my parents are very healthy Christians, and they're also, over time, became very accepting of of my stuff. Um, But my dad has a very close relationship with Yahweh, and it's helped him through some hard times, and that works for him. Mm -hmm. And then part of the way that I explained the new path that I wanted to go on, it was, you know, that close connection that you have, I just feel with a different deity. And so I, I do think that different gods just answer different people. But I have had the experience also of whenever I've reached out, not specifically to Loki, but I've been like, I need a trickster to help me out. I've always gotten an answer and it's always worked. (laughs) That was a funny story. But one of my first active reach outs was in either middle school or early high school. I was in English class and there was a, a boy who used to cheat off of my tests and we got in trouble at one point because we had the same answers on our tests, like the same ones, right? The same ones wrong. And so he pulled us aside and was like, this is not okay. You know, this needs to stop. And I knew I didn't cheat off of his test. So it was obvious what was happening. And I tried to explain that to the teacher and he was like, no, no, I'm not doing this. Whoever's test is the first one down, they're going to get graded how they get graded. And if there's a second test and it's the same, they're just getting enough. I'm not doing this. And so I was like, what, what do I do? So I prayed for a trickster God to come help me figure out what to do, because it was kind of that thing that Loki's good at in the stories where there's not really a straightforward solution, you know, and you kind of have to come up with a clever and maybe a little bit deceitful way to address the situation. So I, I prayed about it and I, I don't remember how it came to me. I think it was a dream or something, but the next test, I used a pencil and I filled out all my answers and I started to stand up 
And the rule was, whoever tests was the first one down, that's the one he's grading that way. So as soon as I started to stand up, he got up really fast and put his test down so that his would be first down. And then I just sat back down and I looked him in the eyes and I started erasing all of my answers because I answered all of them wrong. And then I started my test again. That's That's amazing. talking to the UPG on how we work with Loki like what do you like offerings like what you can do to start working with Loki Loki is so easy to please sometimes I feel like I'll I'll go and do kind of the casual thing where I'll pick up a coffee and it'll be something that I know he likes and I'll share it in the car he seems to like sweets cookies he likes baked goods he likes cooking he likes gummies he likes gummies yeah he's really hard to displease basically like if I think one of the things that he has like tried to nail into my head when looking for offerings for him, like I like it, he he likes it too. He's not going to say no, but he will say no um, if it's like quote unquote inauthentic. (laughs) One of my favorite Starbucks drinks right now is like the shaken chocolate almond milk espresso, but I get it with oat milk. So he refuses to have anything to do with it. I have tried to get him to like it and he has legitimately slapped it down and been like, I don't fucking think so. So it's the oat milk. He doesn't like oat milk because it's not milk. It's oat milk. (laughs) Or someone privileged without any sort of dairy problem, I can understand. Yeah, (laughs) that is completely fair. Or if I put any fake sugar in anything, he will have nothing to do with it. But beyond that, (laughs) they like things that you're passionate about. Like he likes passion. A lot of chai. It's a lot of chai. Yeah, I'm a whore for chai, and so is he. Um. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I have a box of Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans saved for him. One time I bought strawberry Pocky, and I fully intended to eat it. And I was hanging out with Sarah, and we were doing a ritual. And it was like, nope. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to get to eat these, am I? <laughs> sitting on his offering pole. <laughs> he, does, he does take over when he wants something, doesn't he? he really, Very much so. Like really the tarot card readings. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's not shy. <laughs> I've asked her for like advice in tough times and she's like, oh, I'll do a tarot card reading. And the tarot cards just are like, well, that doesn't make sense to the situation. So we'll draw like a clarifying card. And it's like, oh, that's just, that's just Loki's card. It's, he just wants you to try Loki. Have you tried, you know, Loki? Seven of swords, full wands will be every, everywhere. That's usually what I know that he has something to do with something. He's very difficult to ignore. And he will tell, I think he will tell you if he likes or doesn't like an offering pretty clearly. Yeah. And I think that also kind of makes him very accessible. New Lothians like seem to keep saying anytime they come onto our Discord, he's just so loud. (laughs) (laughs) Loud. That's a great way to describe him. Mm Yeah. He talks my ear off, he talks a lot of people's ears off. And then, then you think that you're crazy, especially if this is your first deity. My first year was basically just the whole, am I crazy? Am I crazy was... feeling Loki in this chilly <laughs> night? Like... <laughs> there's that feeling of, am I crazy? And then there's that feeling that comes with it, which is, is this a phase? Am I going through yeah. a phase? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because one thing that Loki does, the community that Loki inspires is just avidly in love with him. I don't know. I don't, maybe I just don't talk to enough people, but like, I don't see the same thing with Thor or Hell or any of the other Norse deities. Well, and I think we did want to talk about 
some of the communities that tend to end up working with him or that he tends to, because heathenry in general, there's so many names it goes by, Asatru or just Norse paganism or whatever name you want to call it, can be such a loaded topic, especially now, because when I explain it to people who ask me when I say I'm pagan, like they're like, oh, are you like, you know, the people that did this or the people that did that, the hate groups? And it's like, no, these are religious extremists and it's not paganism in general. And I especially think that the Loki's community is so different from maybe the loudest people who call themselves pagans. And it's so opposite. And I think that's so important to touch on. Yeah, there's some acceptance. My general rule of thumb, usually when looking for community is do they accept Loki? No, there's probably a chance that they are Christian light or racist or unaccepting. There is a huge pool of pagans, even the most progressive pagans still that are Turks and that are unaccepting of any gender beyond the binary. There's definitely a correlation that I've seen where if Loki is not accepted or tricksters sometimes even are not accepted, it's a good sign that they're not as accepting perhaps as you should like them to be, which brings me to who Loki's community tends to be. Usually in a good summary is people who walk the liminal. There's people who are, you know, LGBT, QIA plus community, or they're neurodiverse, neuroatypical. You'll find people who kind of battle two different sides. It's really easy to connect with Loki in that way when your life doesn't exactly fit into the mainstream is the simplest way of putting it. I think think Loki in general, in pretty much any story you could open up to him, is someone who has no interest in being tied down to a singular definition of character. And I think think that you can see that in a lot of the people who follow him and who work with him and who he reaches out to, who reach out to him. Yeah, I think the liminal is a really good way to explain that. He's also... I've heard him be called the god of the outcast sometimes, which I guess kind of fits with that. I like how Sarah put it, though. He just makes it okay. It's okay to be exactly who you are. You don't have to mask yourself just to make everyone else happy, which I know I struggle with. I'm yeah, looking- so if you're a fucking weirdo, you'll be in great company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so anyway, work with Loki today because he's great. <laughs> Have you tried Loki? (laughs) Loki for president, 2K21. This podcast was made possible by the collective volunteer efforts of the Lightning Struck Lokians Community Discord, a haven of online practitioners dedicated to keeping pagan discussion spaces welcoming, inclusive, and discerning. This month's episode was scripted by Riverwind, transcribed by Ira Olfred Loftyarsson, and edited by Nicole Eliza John, with podcast logo by Mars Malice. To keep up to date on all our social media, and when our next episode is about to drop, check out the links in our show notes for more info.